I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service at Ananda Village. I am Nayaswami Parvati. This is Nayaswami Swami Pranabha, and we're happy to have you join us for Sunday service today. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. The topic this week, what is it to fail spiritually? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The first passage is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25. Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins, five of them wise and five foolish. They await their bridegroom, the Christ consciousness. The wise virgins keep the oil in their lamps, symbolic of their devotion, lit through the night. The foolish virgins place no oil in their lamps. These foolish ones are like the average devotee, going through the motions of outer ritual, but keeping no fire of love burning in the heart. When the bridegroom's coming is announced, the foolish virgins realize their mistake and hasten out to purchase oil. During their absence, the Christ consciousness comes and embraces those who have been awaiting him with devotion. The foolish ones, by their lackluster devotion, are not accepted by him. Watch, therefore, Jesus told his listeners, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda describes the foolish virgin consciousness he encountered at the Mahamandal hermitage he stayed in as a young man in Banaras. I was pleased, he wrote, that my new home possessed an attic where I managed to spend the dawn and morning hours. The ashram members, knowing little of meditation practices, thought I should employ my whole time in organizational duties. They gave me praise for my afternoon work in their office. Don't try to catch God so soon. This ridicule accompanied one of my early departures toward the attic. Later, during meditation, I felt lifted as though bodily to a sphere uncircumscribed. Thy master cometh today. A divine womanly voice came from everywhere and nowhere. This supernal experience was pierced by a shout from a definite locale. A young priest nicknamed Habu was calling me from the downstairs kitchen. Mukunda, enough of meditation. You are needed for an errand. The Divine Mother's words were not spoken for the benefit of that priest, the foolish virgin, but for Mukunda, the wise virgin. For this was the day his guru, Sri Yukteswar, came to him.
Grieve not, friends, if you feel that you have been foolish. No error is forever. Someday, if you keep your lamp lit now, your opportunity will come. In the Bhagavad Gita, the sixth chapter, Krishna promises every devotee, Arjuna, none who works for self-redemption will ever meet an evil destiny. Spiritual failure, though a deep disappointment, is always temporary. Eternal hellfire is but a projection of vindictiveness in the human mind. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Blessings to everyone. I'd like to start by reading from Paramahansa Yogananda's book of Prayer Demands, Whispers from Eternity. I may lose everything and roam about in darkness, but, O oh, my Divine Mother, see that the tiny taper of my remembrance for thee be not extinguished by the gusts of disbelief. I loved many things only to find that my true craving was for thee alone. Come to me now, be with me always. This is an important topic. Actually, it's a very, very important topic because it's very real in real time for each one of us. This idea of fearing the failures that will overcome us. Prior to this little brief quote from the Bhagavad Gita with Krishna speaking to Arjuna, Arjuna asks Krishna in a very pleading way, in a very, in a sense, desperate way, Reflecting our own calls to the divine, he asked Krishna, is there, way, is there some way to overcome the challenges that seem to just capsize me in my efforts to grow spiritually? And Krishna's response, more than just the two lines that Parvati read from the rays of the same light, rays of the one light, that It goes on for 12 slokas, 12 verses, is Krishna's response. And it's very thorough. It's because this is very important to us to deal with this world of duality, this world of maya, and what we make of it, what we do with the challenges that come. Because perhaps like me, you've at times at the end of the day um, done what Yogananda and Swami Kriyananda have emphasized to take the time to introspect over the day, to see how things went on the battlefield of life today. And there are times when perhaps there were errors on our part, there were mistakes in our parts, there were abject failures on our part, when we really, really did something, said something, had an attitude that was not in the right way, that wasn't expansive and open. And you know, in introspection, this happens. It's a test, and I think you you can appreciate this, that when we look at things in our lives, sometimes we cross the line over into judgment so readily. 
and feel the self-doubt, feel the, the lack of self-esteem. We just feel, oh, I'm just, I'm just not worthy. I, basically, I'm a sinner. And we know this saying from, from Yogananda um, that we should never say that we're a sinner, that as a, a saint is a sinner that never gave up. Because we don't want to identify with our faults. On the other hand, we need to appreciate that we do have some shortcomings. But the important part is that we don't identify that we are those shortcomings. They are happening through us because we have karma, not only from this lifetime, but from many lifetimes. And in next week's Sunday service, uh, the focus is more on karma. So karma can come up and things are going along fine and suddenly that karma surfaces. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as a comic bomb, a karmic explosion. And suddenly we veer off course, quite readily at times it seems. But remember, until we are freed while living, which is the, known in Sanskrit as the term being a jivan mukta, we always have the possibility of the ego that is still with us drawing on the tendencies of that past karma and those decisions that have taken us off course before, there's a tendency, a momentum that will be there. And really, as devotees on this path, we can view those challenges, those tendencies that come up from past karma as the way out of those tendencies rather than being trapped by them. Now, there are times when we're going to get trapped by those tendencies. It, we've we've feel, felt that, we've seen that, we've experienced that in our lives. So we know that's real. It's, it's in real time for us at different points in our lives. But the sooner we can just say, this happened through me, and I appreciate the lessons I need to learn from it, I understand from this challenge that I can grow, then we rob that karmic tendency that momentum that is there from the past of its energy. We then become much more alive in the energy of who we are moving forward. So in response to Arjuna pleading, how does one really get out of this karmic challenge and, and not feel failure? Krishna talks again in these 12 verses, these 12 slokas of the Bhagavad Gita to give us great hope. It's, it's in chapter six, I think it's starting with sloka number 37, if you want to read these slokas. They're very, very encouraging. But in the commentaries, based on Paramahansa Yogananda, Swami Kriyananda shares that there are three ways that the devotee, the yogic practitioner, can feel failure in their lives or have these shortcomings in their lives. The first is for the devotees that simply once they get on the path, they, they get connected, they're, they're connecting, but they return to their ways of being more in the world. They're drawn more from the ego tendencies that bring them back into the life they live before turning towards the spiritual journey. And of course this happens. Swami Kriyananda once said, it's because there's not enough adhesive, there's not enough glue for that soul to come into that experience and stay with it. It's as if they're, they're sending uh, their forces out to see what's going on and what's possible because they know deep in their soul, that's the remembrance, the Shmriti, that divine remembrance, 
that there is more in life, but it doesn't have that momentum. It doesn't have that stickiness of really staying with the spiritual path and they drop away from the spiritual journey. They, they see, but all those, those experiences that brought me happiness, quote, seemingly happiness, are very important to me and I, I want them in my life more. So the spiritual uh, connection dissipate. It, it isn't as strong in that way. And Yogananda made the comment that it may take a number of lifetimes for the soul to be awakened again to that experience that there has to be more. In a sense that the whole uh, philosophy of Shankya is about describing the delusion of the world and why it will never fulfill us. And in the practice of yoga, we have the experience of how do we make the momentum much more powerful so we're living in that magnetism so when tests come, we can overcome them. So the second way that devotees uh, fall into uh, letting go of their journey and in a sense identifying with failures is that the zeal that they bring into the spiritual journey at the beginning once they're aware of it. And sometimes you can see it as the romance of the spiritual path. There's a certain image, uh, what in, in Sanskrit terms is known as the bhav, the way that we approach God. I remember when uh, I started meditating, I, I must have had uh, just a strong connection from past lives, from the whole experience. And I remember just loving just the experience of sitting to meditate. It was like that carried me for quite a long time, more than the experience of meditation itself, was just being in the romance, in a sense, as Yogananda referred to it, of being in that connection that way. So take advantage of it if it's there. But that zeal, that romance in the beginning of the spiritual path will encounter the tests, will encounter the challenges, and it'll encounter the amount of energy that we need to put into our own efforts of tuning to the grace of the divine, to really be there every day, twice a day for a meditation, whatever storms and trials of life may take place, we are there in that committed way. And that's when we see that people um, with that zeal, that dynamic energy in the beginning, start to become complacent. They still have that awareness, that desire, that attunement to some degree with the spiritual journey. But there is the sense of it is a struggle. It really demands more than I thought it would take from me. And as I said, there is, starts to be a plateauing, a complacency. And sure, we'll show up for meditation, we'll show up for satsang, we'll show up for Sunday service online or in person when we can again. And that's good because it sustains it in a certain way. But what happens if we're just sustaining it rather than investing energy and having more magnetism is that we're not really there with 100% of who we are. And what happens, especially as the journey continues through the years and we come towards the end of our life. The Gita talks about then one can slip away and have deep self-doubt and can look at the challenges as being more 
what was dominant in one's life, as opposed to the, the waves of, of God's touch in our lives that may be more subdued, more hidden. We see the obvious in those tests, and we accept that maybe my life was a failure, or maybe we say my life was with many failures. And so that identification clouds the experience of us leaving our bodies. And we go into the astral realm, once we've left our bodies, with some veils there that make it challenging to be even in the astral realm. And when we return, the hope is that we will regain that initial enthusiasm, that zeal, that foregoing energy of wanting a divine experience. And again, it may take time. We you know, may find ourselves not in the best situations when we're reborn. And the third way that devotees um, find this challenge of not coming to the fulfillment of their journey is simply in this lifetime, we don't get there. We, we've done everything. We continue to be dynamic. We continue to be attuned. We continue to offer ourselves. We continue to draw that grace. And we just don't make it in this lifetime. For whatever karmic reasons that we're not able to understand, that that does happen. But in the Gita, Krishna goes on for quite a few slokas to talk about, don't worry about that. Because you will, one, go into the astral realm in its higher layers uh, in the astral realm. That you will be blessed in really feeling the joy of your soul qualities in that realm. But if you're a soul that really wants more than that, you will find that you will make the choice to be reincarnated again, to be born again, to really quickly get on with it. And it talks in the Gita about that those souls are born into elevated families, that the mother and father are elevated souls that are already in their own journey close to their fulfillment of the spiritual path. And so that soul is given the gift of a tremendous springboard at the beginning of their lives and throughout their lives in that way. And so these are understandings that aren't necessarily real to us in a day-to-day functioning part of our own lives. But it's good to understand that the, the scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita pays attention to them in a lengthy way, just to give us an orientation. Because what we really want to do, and if we look at that, that second way that's described, where that maybe we start off in a lifetime with a zeal and uh, an intense energy and the romance of appreciating that, wow, I, I really, desire a guru, I really want to meditate, that what we want to tune into is similar to the parables of the ten virgins. We want to keep our lamp oil, lamps full of oil and burning. When I was a, a teenager, I was into music a whole lot. I worked in a record store. I was a DJ for our FM station at my university. And so I got into the realm of music in an in a extended way. Um, and one of the things I really got into was the blues, um, the traditional blues uh, 
from, from this country, the United States. And one of the songs that uh, I remember just the title of, and not so much even the song, but it was, it was called Keep Your Lamps Trimmed and Burning. And so it was probably an old gospel that they had re-energized um, in a more rock, uh, blues way. And, uh, but I always remember thinking about that uh, when I first got into meditation, that I thought it must be, um, you know, I knew it was from the Bible, but I thought it must be something more than obviously, you know, the, the outward part of it. And when I tuned into the deeper understandings of the scriptures from Paramahansa Yogananda, then obviously it became real to me that it had to be this thing about that the oil is devotion. And devotion is going to be that when the, the consciousness of the divine is ready to come into us, we need to have devotion. We need to have that attunement. We need to have that openness. And I've come across various people over the years that have said to me that they really do tune into devotion, but they feel um, that the techniques don't really fit into that. They feel that they kind of obstruct or diminish their devotion because they're focusing on these scientific techniques. And the point is that no, the oil that we need to have is throughout the day in every moment in every endeavor. And the meditation techniques, surely they are scientific. We know that they will produce results. But as Yogananda said about the Kriya Yoga technique, he said Kriya Yoga and devotion are like mathematics. They cannot fail. The devotion is important in the techniques because they allow us to really bring a deeper experience. They allow us to have attunement. They allow us to get past just the stuff part of the spiritual journey into the inner experience itself. But that devotion can be applied throughout the day. It shouldn't be that, oh, I have my period of devotion. Granted, we may have periods throughout the day uh, during our sadness, our spiritual practices, where we focus that devotion in a more highlighted, more magnetic way. But we should be able to magnetize that devotion at all times. One of the things that I've found over the years is focusing on magnetizing devotion in my sleep. Now, the way I do that, of course, is in before I go to sleep, before I lie down and, and go to sleep, I take at least a few moments, if not longer, to feel that devotion, to feel that I am opening up to that devotion and offering it into my sleep, into my dreams. To, and then I fall, I lie down, and I mentally chant, Om Guru, Om Guru. Om Guru. And I just feel my heart lightened and much more attuned with that devotion. That's very real. If we can always find in the little ways throughout the, the brief moments of every day an approach that allows that devotion to be real in the way that we're real with devotion, meaning that some people may display their devotion more, other people may have it more reserved within. That's up to each one of us to tune into what that would be for us to really grow by and live by. Because there are going to be tests. And seemingly, 
from a certain perspective, we will feel that we have failed. But rather than identifying that we failed, as Swami Kriyananda wrote in the Raja Yoga course, to shift that into, I simply haven't succeeded yet. When we attune ourselves in that way and know that that's real, then that promise from Krishna to Arjuna, which is really the divine's promise to each one of us, that no effort on our part to grow spiritually will ever find an evil result. And as Yogananda said, that if you continue to make an effort, God will never let you down. Even if we're not able to appreciate, to recognize, to understand that God is there, it will be there. What we need to do is just keep our part happening. And that's opening up to trust that things may happen in a way that we're just not going to be completely aware of. And this is where the concept in the Bhagavad Gita of Nishkan Karma. Nishkan Karma is the understanding of action without the desire for the fruits of action. And this applies to our spiritual path, to the meditations that we have, that we meditate without the attachment to the fruits of our meditation. You know, if we're thinking, this should be happening in meditation and I'm a failure because I'm not seeing the spiritual eye, I'm not feeling a deep experience, just give that to God. That's God's part. Our part is to simply say, Lord, I am thine, be thou mine. That's what will happen if we offer ourselves, the constancy of offering ourselves, then God will be ours. And we will know that every effort will be helping to magnetize that experience as very real. So don't let the failures that you are aware of be the identity you have of your life as a devotee. Respect and appreciate that there are opportunities to grow from, that we can understand that, gosh, yeah, maybe if I change the way I approach this person, then I wouldn't get caught by that dynamic of um, emotional exchange. But feel within that, that you have, in a sense, the cleanliness of God's purity within your own self. And just feel like when you step out from a shower after you've been having a sweaty day or something like that, you just feel that refreshment. Feel that always in your prayers, in your meditation, in your affirmations, and in your willingness and openness that you're offering yourself and feeling that refreshment, that refinement, that touch of divine grace beyond all else that happens, that will be there and it will integrate into every moment and every experience of your life. Let's take a moment of meditation. Door of my heart, open wide I keep for thee. Door of my heart, open wide I keep for thee. Wilt thou 
Jesus, come to me. Wilt thou come? Wilt thou come? Just for once, come to me. Will my days fly away without seeing thee, my Lord? Will my days fly away without seeing thee, my Lord? Night and day, night and day, I look for thee night and day. Night and day, night and day, I look for thee night and day. Door of my heart, open wide I keep for thee. Door of my heart, open wide I keep for thee. Wilt thou come, wilt thou come, just for once come to me? Wilt thou come, wilt thou come, just for once come to me? Will my days fly away without seeing thee, my Lord? Will my days fly away without seeing thee, my Lord? Night and day, night and day, I look for thee night and day. Night and day, night and day, I look for thee night and day. Night and day, night and day, I look 